Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No one. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online show. Zach Albaverde and Nick Del Torre coming to you live after a busy week in Gainesville, Florida. Not only on the uh, recruiting front, but on the team front, on the news front, and certainly a coaching carousel happening uh, within Billy Napier's program. We'll get into all of that. We'll get into my interview and sit down with Billy in his office this week. Uh, we've got Gator Baseball to get into, Florida Hoops, obviously, and then an interview with Jacob Young. So, uh, Nick, a busy episode for our listeners today. Uh, yeah, nothing, uh, there's never a dull moment in, uh, in Gator Nation. Um, it's, uh, it certainly keeps us busy, keeps, uh, keeps us writing. Um, sometimes, you know, just maybe, maybe a relaxing week. Well, my week started, or should I say this week, I had been looking forward to my interview with Billy Napier. Uh, last year I had a chance to visit with him. So this was our second time, although this was the first time in his new office in the Heavener Center. And as I'm out there waiting to get in, because <laughs> Billy only does 7 a.m. interviews, so you got to get let in at that time. The news is coming out of Patrick Tony. It had already been first reported by Chris Lowe, I think after midnight. And then, you know, Wednesday morning. It's obviously coming out, and I'm I'm waiting for this interview. And as I'm on the phone, kind of waiting to get let in, Patrick Tony comes walking right by me, and kind of gives me a look like, "What's this guy doing out here on the phone?" And uh, fortunately, I was T able to see him later on in the T M Z. The Z stands for Zach. Yes, that was exactly too. I let him know when I saw him inside later. Hey, man, I wasn't T M Z out there waiting on you. I have. Uh, <laughs> have a meeting scheduled with Billy. But that was uh, obviously the timing of that to walk into was was certainly part of the conversation. Uh, and, and we'll get into that in today's show and, and kind of my takeaways from sitting down with him. But let's let's start with the news of the week, Nick, and that is Patrick Tony. He is uh, joining the Arizona Cardinals as well as William Piegler. And then Kerry Colbert is also headed to the NFL where he will be coaching the wide receivers uh, with the Denver Broncos, a team that he used to play for. And, uh, you know, Billy, he had enjoyed some staff being in place for about 14 months. And now a week before spring ball, Nick, everything gets disrupted. Yeah, there's no there's no right time to have coaching turnover. Um, you know, having staff continuity is great and in, in not just for a coach, but for a program, especially a program, you know, having talked to Billy, uh, you know, just, just over a week ago, um, asking him how, how much smoother the operation runs now that you're yeah. in year two, that all the coaches and all of your returning players know what's expected, know how practices run, know how workouts run. Um, and just the flow of things now, nine days before spring camp, you're replacing three coaches. You've already replaced one and we'll get into that later, but it, it's not an ideal time. Uh, you know, 
with with spring camp coming just around the corner. And then you have to ask the question like, hey, Kerry Colbert left. Florida had an awesome wide receiver class. How did Aiden Mizell, um, Trey, and and uh, and Andy Jean, how do they feel about losing their coach? Um, you know, you saw some of the tight ends take to Twitter, and we have a recruit, a recruit reaction as well as a player reaction up on Gators Online, but how do the guys who are in those rooms feel about probably learning about this on Twitter as well? You know, sometimes, especially in these situations when coaches leave, the players are the last to know and they find out on social media. Um, so uh, tough. And, and Billy's got, got his work cut out for him. You know, you've got a very short amount of time to, to get coaches in place for what I think is going to be a pivotal spring camp for you at so many different positions. And what we already know is that, it appears that Tony's replacement has already been found in Austin Armstrong, who's currently, or I should say was currently at Alabama, although his profile is no longer on their site. He got swiped with the quick 404 error real quick. Yeah. And, uh, but he's coming over reuniting with Philly Napier, who he worked with at Louisiana with two stints. And in between that, he spent the 2019 season at Georgia with Kirby smart mm -hmm. And then I'd just been hired by Nick Saban at Alabama. So definitely a lot of pedigree there, some familiarity with not only Napier, but Tony's defense and having coached under him. And so I think there's a lot of familiarity there. It's going to probably be a really smooth transition, not only for the staff, but for the players. And so the hire makes a lot of sense. Now, he's a young guy. I mean, you're not getting an experienced play caller if he indeed is going to be the D.C., um, although he'll probably have a, a code DC tag just like Patrick did. Uh, but nonetheless, that at least for now, as we speak to you guys here Thursday evening, is the hire that we know is coming. Uh, and, I, and I would imagine that by March 4th, when the Gators start spring ball, that those other two coaches will probably re be replaced by then as well. And from talking to Billy Wednesday, uh, certainly about Tony, but it seems like he had a sense, obviously, that this was about to go down. And one comment that he made to me was, hey, we lose four to eight coaches every year. And this is just part of the business, uh, not trying to downplay the significance of those guys. But you have to have contingency plans in place. And given how quick it seems that Austin Armstrong was hired, you know, Billy's moving fast. And like I said, I would expect that you'll see a wide receivers coach and a tight ends coach hired uh, pretty soon here as well. And here's a little nugget. I, I have a story coming out about Austin um, on Friday, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, you might hear it here first. Um, I, I, I'm guessing fans will be a little gun shy hearing, you know, young rising star um, coveted coach. Cause Patrick Tony was that. And the defense was terrible last year. Um, but Armstrong, a guy that spent last year at Southern Miss, he had multiple opportunities. Uh, Oregon came calling. Uh, Kirby Smart told him, hey, hold where you are. If Will Muschamp leaves, you're going to be my defensive coordinator. That's a two-time defending national champion. Obviously, Will Muschamp doesn't leave. Georgia doesn't have an opening. Nick Saban grabs him, gives him the, the, the Saban stamp of approval, makes him an inside linebackers coach. Um, so this isn't just a uh, Florida's trying to – Billy's trying to get the next up-and-comer and, and, and hiring – this is a coach who had 
three massive power five schools coming after him just this last off season. Yeah. Um, and, and, and time will tell, but it, it appears at least early on uh, that Florida got a really good one here in Austin Armstrong. And, and I do want to say, cause I had a Florida fan reach out to me on Thursday and it's like after the third coach in two days to leave for the NFL and he asked me, should I be worried as a UF fan? And I responded with one way to look at it, which was, hey, the NFL just hired three of Billy's coaches. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think that says something about his eye for talent. You know, usually you got to worry about your coaching staff getting raided by rival schools or schools within your league. Um, Billy just had three of his coaches taken away by the NFL. And I will say that I don't think that they will be the last assistant coach from Billy's staff to wind up in the NFL at some point. Uh, you already have two on his staff that used to coach in the NFL in the co-DC and the OC. So, you know, that that obviously right there stands to reason. But just the way that the game has evolved. Now, you've got guys like Patrick Tony, according to Napier, who's always had a goal to coach in the NFL. He said, ever since I met the guy, that's what he wanted to do. I think for Kerry uh, Colbert, being a former NFL receiver, no surprise really that he's decided to make this jump and wants to coach at that level. And then William Piegler as well. Uh, I mean, you get an opportunity to move up and coach at the highest level. You're going to take it, even if it means a demotion in some cases. I mean, we, we're seeing Tony go from being a D.C. or co-D.C. at Florida to being uh, an assistant coach in the NFL. Brian Johnson did the same thing, being Florida's O.C. and then deciding to go be the QB coach for the Eagles. But I think bigger picture, I just think this is going to be a – growing trend that we see throughout the sport because you're just going to have coaches that want to uh, leave and go to the league because of the way the game has changed with NIL, with transfer portal. It's it's just a lot more, I think, appealing to work as a coach in the NFL. Plus, again, it is the highest level. So when guys get that phone call, um, I mean, th there's nothing else that you can expect. And if anything, this says something about Napier and his ability to go find talent and you're trying to fill out your staff uh, is certainly a great selling point to your next coaches of what happened to the guys that they're going to replace. <laughs> Come hang out with me for a year and then you'll be in the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bad. good selling point. Um, I wrote about it in my column. Um, go read that at Gators online, but you touched on just there and it's, it's NIL has created free agency. So not now in the past, a coach would, spend their nights and weekends texting 16, 17-year-old high school kids to try to get them to come to their campus. But once they signed that dotted line, they were there. Like, hey, that recruiting job is now done. That's not the case anymore. And now NIL has seeped its way into recruiting, um, but also into your locker room. And now you're not done recruiting a guy once they sign their NIL or their NLI. Um, you're having to re-recruit your roster over and over and over again, year after year. Um, the, the, until college football uh, figures out 
a way to normalize their schedule, their their transfer portal schedule, which has two different windows. Um, the signing day has two different windows, um, and, and you're constantly re-recruiting your guys. Until you figure that out, hey, I'll take a pay cut to go to a higher level of football where I don't have to do this. And not, and I'm I, not as stretched as thin. I, yes, I took a pay cut, but my quality of life is significantly better. I leave the office and I don't have to call 13 guys. I don't have to DM 13 different guys. I'm not getting a call from one of my players about like, Hey, I need a new NIL deal. My NIL deal didn't come. It's like, Hey man, I can't help you with that. So until the NCAA who continually gets clowned as they ask the government for help and the government's just like, you're a disaster uh, until the government fixes it. And listen, the government doesn't move quickly. <laughs> the government doesn't legislate that quickly at all. So I, I don't know what the timetable is to get, you know, a, a better calendar for recruiting and transfer portal and NIL legislation. So this isn't just a Florida thing. Yes, it's happened to Florida and three guys in 36 hours makes headlines and, and Florida makes headlines and national media likes to say things about Florida because the fans are passionate and they will yeah. react and, and they'll click and you'll get your clicks. Um, I don't see this as a Billy Napier or a Florida issue as much as it is a college football NCAA issue that you're just seeing happening, happening at Florida right now. Yeah. And, and I will also say to that point, like I think if all three of those guys didn't get an opportunity in, you know, late February to go coach in the NFL, they'd still be at Florida right now, getting ready to start spring football next week. So this is an opportunity to make that jump. And especially if it's something that's been your goal, like Napier has For said, sure. has been the case with Tony. You, you know, you're gonna take the opportunity. So we already know where things stand with the defensive coordinator spot. Uh, has been reported first by Matt Zenich of On Three that uh, Austin Armstrong is going to be the play caller for the Gators on defense and uh, will be the youngest defensive coordinator in the SEC. And you know, a guy that. Really, when you when you look at his resume and the folks that he's worked for, and, and that includes Tony, uh, there's a lot to like and a lot that makes sense about this hire for Billy. And I think that even though he was only in Tuscaloosa for what two months, Nick, just yeah. a cup of to, tea. To me, if you can say I've been hired by Nick Saban, Nick Saban gave me the green light to come work and coach football in his program. That says something about you. And so it's the so, Saban stamp. The Saban stamp. And he's also got the smart stamp. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Well, you know, the, the last rising star. Uh, he didn't have those similar stamps. Nah, no, he sure didn't. He, no. he had the Billy Napier stamp. <laughs> he had that one. Um, it, it, it will be interesting to see um, how. Armstrong coming in also shakes up the coaching staff. So Armstrong hired as an inside linebackers coach, a linebacker guy. Jay Bateman is your inside linebackers coach. Bateman in his last stop at UNC coached safeties. You lost your safeties coach in Patrick Tony. If Bateman stays on staff, um, I think you, you probably ask him to move to safeties or do you give, uh, you give Corey Raymond that whole room and say, Hey, Corey, you get, all the defensive backs. I don't think you need two linebackers coaches um, or three, I guess, because you got Mike P who's coaching 
the outside linebackers, which are really, you know, uh, just a pass rusher edge position. But how do you, how does adding Austin Armstrong shuffle up the rest of the coaches that you still have in your deck? Yeah. And, and, and to, to be clear, uh, you know, if you, if you look into Bateman's pass, uh, he has actually coached safeties and he's done it recently. Uh, the, the spot that he was at before Florida, when he was the co-DC in North Carolina, he was also the safeties coach. So, and he's also coached obviously linebackers in the past and is coaching now at Florida. So that wouldn't be out of the question uh, without doubt. And, and I, you know, I think if you're going to, I don't think it would make sense, obviously, uh, to, to move Armstrong there. You're going to have him be where he's been. And what's interesting, though, is, is the dynamic in the secondary because Raymond clearly could handle, I think, that role of being just the sole DB coach. But I do remember the comment that Billy made in explaining his reasoning for hiring two offensive line coaches, which was – you hire two secondary coaches to coach the five, six guys in the secondary. Why would you not hire two guys to coach five offensive linemen? So with that theory in mind, it stands to reason he'll probably look for for a safeties coach. Now, does he somehow get away with that and hire like a an assistant secondary coach who's not one of the full-time guys but is still an on-field coach? Um, and, and is working with the players, and then you just make Corey Raymond the DB coach, and you now use that full-time staff spot somewhere else? Does Ryan O'Hara become now full-time as the quarterback coach? Do you get a full-time special teams coordinator, uh, or do you do you bring in a special teams coordinator that also serves as the safeties coach? I mean, there's a lot, of, uh, there's a lot that, that, that he can work with there, Nick. A lot of moving pieces. Um, uh, if if you got nothing nice to say, uh, you shouldn't say it at all. So I'm not going to talk about the game changer coordinator right now. Um, but I think I think if you want to get in on field, I don't think Ryan O'Hara gets moved to a a permanent job. You know, uh, if you're looking at um, or a permanent on field job, I mean, he has a permanent analyst job, but yeah. a, a permanent on field job. Um, you could have a tight ends coach and a special teams coordinator. I think that would make sense. Um, you, in my opinion, your tight ends coach needs to be a great recruiter. You're not doing a ton of in-depth coaching. Like look back, look back at Tim Brewster, Tim Brewster, as much as he likes to say Antonio Gates and, um, and, uh, who is the guy, Nick, something from FSU um and 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 claiming Kyle Pitts like he's not making those guys great players Tim Brewster was an assassin on the recruiting trail um yep. and I think that's what you need at the tight end position that was not William Peekler William Peekler was not a great recruiter I don't know if he was being handcuffed I mean you've got a bunch of guys in that room um no no future Kyle Pitts in that room so I think at the tight end spot, you need a great recruiter. And that can be somebody who, Hey, the tight ends are also going to work with the offensive line a lot. Uh, Cause as at least we saw in 2022 uh, tight end was just the sixth offensive line position in Florida's offense. You can have that person split some duties with tight ends and, and get, get a special teams game changing coordinator. Um, to me, I think the move that makes most sense right now is, 
You allow Armstrong to coach the inside linebacker, something he's familiar with. If he's going to be your play caller, because I don't think Sean Spencer has much or any um, experience calling plays, while Armstrong does, even at a lower level, I think you take less off of his plate. Hey, let, he, he understands linebackers. He's coached linebackers. You go and do that. That's something you can do in your sleep. And, and we're going to have some pieces around you. I think that makes sense to then move Bateman back to safeties and split those dudes with Corey Raymond. The safeties last year also worked. The safeties coach, Tony, coached the Nichols, uh, the star position as well. So to me, that makes sense. I don't know that how much how much are you going to promote from within um, or do you promote yeah. from within? Um, if, if you get some no's and, and here, how calculated is Billy Napier where – we're not going to rush to make a hire. We will just have one of our analysts coach the tight ends or, Hey, David Decker is already on campus. Um, young graduate assistant quality control worked with all these receivers already. Um, hey, we're not going to give you a title, but you're going to run, you're going to run that receiver room right now and, and you'll be in contention for the job. But just because we have nine days, doesn't mean me as Billy Napier, I'm going to rush to make a hire because we have to have a coach there in place. When yeah. you rush to make a hire, then you get the coach in place and he doesn't fit with your team. And now you're firing a coach or that coach is leaving and you're doing this all over again in a month from now, just because you rushed to make a hire. And it's going to be interesting because to me at tight end, there's not an obvious coaching candidate out there. Uh, like I, like, I got like, one. Ty Darlington, who was just on campus, uh, left to be the University of Incarnate Word coach, former Oklahoma tight end. I want to call Ty back. I'm like, hey, man, we didn't have an opening for you. <laughs> sure do now. Well, I tell you who I don't think Billy's going to call was his tight end coach at Louisiana because he's now the head coach at Louisiana. And um, I don't know if don't they're think, on speaking terms. Don't think so. Um, but there's not as many – you know, names that jump out at you at that tight end spot like there is for the wide receiver candidates, which we'll get into. Um, but, yeah, Ty would certainly make a lot of sense. Uh, I, I wouldn't be against giving Cornelius Ingram a call, although I don't know if he's uh, he, he wants to come to the college game, uh, you know, right now working at, at his alma mater in, in Hawthorne. But uh, – State champion Hawthorne. Yeah, put some respect on that. Um, put some respect on the Hawthorne. What are they, the Hornets? Yeah, the Hornets. But definitely, I mean, hell, if uh, if he would be interested, that certainly would be qualified to teach that position. Um, but we'll see. I think that's one, like you said, Nick, that, that they he could potentially take his time with to get the right guy, especially if that guy is going to serve in some other roles or bring or he wants him to bring some other things to the table whether he's also going to help coach special teams he's also going to be the recruiting coordinator be very involved with that um and you want to make sure that you get the right guy now receiver i personally think that 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 one could move a little bit quicker just because there's so many candidates out there um there's there's honestly two guys on staff that you could potentially promote from within um, you mentioned David, but they also have the, the former Auburn OC who's uh, on staff right now in an analyst role. He could easily be promoted to the wide receivers coach or even tight ends coach. And then you've got candidates out there. Uh, the Dallas Bakers of the world, who I can report is among the list of candidates uh, for sure. And then you also have obviously guys like Jeff Scott. 
Ike Hilliard is another former Gator that's uh, recently coached in the SEC. And then, uh, then you also have Billy's wide receiver coach at uh, Louisiana, who is still there, although he's uh, currently the offensive coordinator as well. So would he make a, a move from being an OC role to come be position coach at Florida? Well, we, we mentioned Brian Johnson earlier. He did the same thing. He was Houston's uh, offensive coordinator and then came to UF to uh, t- to be a position coach. So uh, Tim Legger is his name. So that's obviously another name to watch out for. But uh, I just think because of those connections and so many uh, options there that, that Billy should be able to make a hire at receiver pretty soon, I would think. Yeah. If he's looking um, to move fast. If he's looking to move fast and um... – a bunch of options out there, and and it'll be interesting, as, as you said, to see what direction they go in. Um, I hadn't even really, until I just said it now on the podcast, even thought of like maybe they're not, maybe they don't feel like they're up against the clock uh, of spring camp, and, and that you can go through spring camp with an analyst running a position group, and 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 that you'll be fine, or, or that the alternative and getting it wrong is worse than not having somebody in place for camp. Yeah. And, you know, at this point in, in speaking with Billy, it, it seemed like he's, uh, you know, he's got a plan in place and he's he's ready to kind of deal with whatever the situation is going to be. And he's he feels like, to, to your point, Nick, about having the Army and so many coaches that work with the team in various roles, um, They've basically set it up to where, as he said, it's been built so that they can manage attrition. And, you know, they, they, the quote that he gave me was that they've lost, you know, four to eight people every year that he's been a head coach. So this is something that he's had to go through before. He's had to hire a new defensive coordinator before. You know, he's had to make other staff changes. So uh, it's the name of the game. The timing obviously is not good, but at least you have a chance to maybe make all those hires before or close to around spring ball. But look, you've had, and we've seen coaches leave teams right before a football season starts. So um, Gators could be in a worse spot, but again, if you're losing a coach or coaches because the NFL came calling and that's why you're having to make a, a, a change again, that's, that's something that you, that's that you can have as a feather in your cap if you're Billy and and, and attract the next names. Hopefully, yeah, you don't, yeah. Hopefully, we're not sitting here, uh, you know, in, in September with yeah, still seven coaches. You know, really, really thorough through this this uh, vetting process. Come on now, Nicholas. <laughs> we he you know you know he won't take that long, um, but we're gonna definitely follow along and um, and kind of see how. It all plays out. Uh, the Gators get ready to start spring practice on May 4th, that is. 4th. Yeah, May 4th. And uh, they'll be out there uh, second year for Billy Napier and uh, this staff. And obviously a lot of roster turnover. Now you're dealing with some coaching changes as well. So um, having an opportunity to sit down with him this week, you know, certainly had some questions about kind of what they went through this offseason, obviously, in the first year as well. But more importantly, what what are you guys doing to get better? I mean, what, what steps are being taken to kind of improve the product in year two? What gives him signs of encouragement? 
that things are going to improve. And, you know, one thing that I thought that was interesting uh, that, that he talked about was where he feels the team is, is kind of farther along this year than they were last year. And, and, and it admitted that this was basically an area that they lacked. And that was, the player ownership and the accountability. And it was a theme that we kind of heard him talk about throughout his first off season and, and mentioning how the guys were still kind of learning how to gel, learning how to take ownership, um, all the things that you naturally go through in a first year that now in year two with these guys having already been through it, a lot of returners and then a lot of guys that committed to the staff that now make up the roster, uh, the ownership level is at a different different pace and there's not as much you know things that need to be told to them they know what the expectations are when he watches his team go through workouts he sees that there's a a lot of players that are leading things and and not so many coaches that are having to tell these guys what to do um you're seeing new leadership emerge as well because as we've talked about on this show the amount of starters and veterans and seniors that have moved on has created somewhat of a void of veterans. And um, in having a chance to just talk with him directly and not program sources and, and kind of boots on the ground, it was good to just hear from him. He echoed a lot of the things that I've heard, Nick. And, um, you know, again, they have not hit the practice field yet. But as a head coach, you should be able to notice things like that. You will observe this team for a whole year you see, you saw where these players were and where this staff was and where your operation was in February 2022. And a year removed from that, uh, I think part of the reason why he has some of the quiet confidence that we've talked about is because of how he's uh, seeing this operation run right now. Yeah, and uh, who am I to say that he's wrong? <laughs> um, I don't think he and I view his team the same way. Um, and when I look at what Florida brings back and I look at what they have on their schedule, I certainly hope he's right and I'm wrong. Um, I just think there's so many question marks. Obviously, uh, you know, wink, wink, the coaches can't be out there. Uh, they, can, they can't be around the team right now. So he's just, you know, observing from afar. Uh, he does have a nice view from his office, uh, as, as you got to see. Nice little glass window that kind of looks out and everything. Maybe he's standing there window shopping. Um, he, he's certainly getting reports back from Mark Hockey and the strength staff. Um, I, I'm really, really intrigued to get out there, Zach. And I know that we all uh, complain about the access that we get. I, I, I want to see Graham Mertz throw a football. I want to see Jack Miller throwing a football. I want to see Micah Mazuka. I want to see Spurlock and and. Trahada and I want I want to see these new guys. I want to see what Andy Jean looks like at 200 pounds running 22 <laughs> miles an hour. Um, I just have so many question marks. I don't have a great feeling about this team in 2023, but that can be changed um, from spring practice, and and it it will likely be changed one way or the other. I could leave spring practice going, whoo, buddy. Let's just get through these next uh, six months and, and on to year three when Billy will be on the hottest of hot seats. Or maybe there's maybe they surprise us, and maybe um, you know Billy and going through twenty four quarterbacks in the transfer portal before landing on Graham Mertz. Maybe he's right, and he's certainly forgotten more football than I know. Um, <laughs> but me sitting here right now, I don't have a great feeling about the twenty twenty three Gators, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing 
that first version of them this spring camp. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, and, and, and obviously a, a lot to look forward to because there are so many new pieces. There's a lot of newness within this program. And um, there's also some changes, too, that I think have led to... Billy feeling the way that he does. And, um, you know, he, he kind of explains some of the root of that, you know, when we had a chance to sit down and he does this. And I think all coaches do this at the end of every season, which is sit down and have exit interviews with their players. Now, what do those exit interviews entail and how are they different from coach to coach and what actually comes out of them and what, what, uh, what maybe changes or things are enacted because of what a coach might uncover from those. I think that certainly varies, but if you know, you, you take Billy at his word, it seems like he puts a lot of stock into what his players have to say. And, you know, after he got hired at Florida last year, first thing that he did was sought, sat, uh, sought out the opinions of the current players. And after the off this first season, he did the same thing once again uh, in the off season, Brought each guy that returned into his office, basically gave them the floor, not just to talk about, hey, how the year went for for you, what you know, what do you see your role being, but but also wanted to get from them, hey, how can we improve our product? What do you feel like we didn't do well? How can this thing be better in 2023? And after speaking with all those players, he basically put together some player-led initiatives. Uh, that have changed the way that they do some of the things in off-season workouts and just some of the ways that they run the program. And as as Billy said, these are things that they requested. And he has basically empowered them this off-season to you know, enact those things. And so when you talk about player ownership and account- accountability and wanting that from your team as a coach, well, that's one great way to get it. Is, is is kind of by giving them that that power. And, you know, I think it, it also there's something to be said about for a player to go and sit down with your coach and, and kind of spill that, spill the beans, so to speak, and then actually see some changes made and be like, man, my coach is actually hearing me out. So those were some of the things that he shared as to what he feels like is maybe the, the root of some of the, uh, you know, the changes that he's seen. We will see for ourselves. <laughs> Nick doesn't. Nick is not trying to, uh, but take any stock into the uh, the off season workouts. It sounds like. Yeah. Hey, everyone's good. Everyone's great in the spring. Everyone's off season workouts went great. Every team in the country had an awesome off season, and they're great. And then and then a bunch of teams don't make a bowl game. Yeah, but they had a great off season. So. You can call me the Doubting Thomas. I need to see it with my own eyes, Zach. You got to see it, but, you know, we still got to go in there and ask the questions, mm-hmm. and uh, we still got to write stories, and we still got to get his perspective on where his program is at. And, you know, if this is how he feels, 
and this is his truth, uh, whether we speak buy into it or not. Speak your truth, Bill. You know, hey, we're going to write it, um, you know. So, but again, this this does come back to obviously what happens on the football field. And, uh, you know, another part of that I kind of took away and had been interesting to hear from him was just his recruiting calendar and what their process is like for identifying talent, how they kind of map it out and, and what their process is like. And it's obviously changed a lot. He said that it used to be like a six stage calendar that they had. And now that's eight stages because of the transfer portal. Um, but you look at the results, obviously from this past off season, you get in 10 transfers you bring in the amount of early enrollees that they did. Uh, not only did they sign a, a solid class and a, and a lot of blue chips, but they got these guys here for January, which is when they needed them. And, um, you know, he said he's never been a part of a team that added 27 players in January. That's the most that he's uh, been a part of. And, is it, it, and, you know, in speaking with them, it feels like he's confident that's going to make a difference. And I think he knows that they had to make a difference because of all the veterans that they lost, you needed some of these transfers to come and step into those roles, the the Mertzes and the Millers uh, and, and Mitchells and guys like that. It's it's going to be critical for those guys, um, you know, Mazuka, Spurlock, um, the the transfer guys to come in and and provide leadership and it sounds weird because they haven't been here they haven't gone through this yet this is all brand new to them but of those 27 guys only 10 of them so you know like just under a third have got guys that there are guys that have any experience so you mm-hmm. need those 10 to be even though they are new to be uh someone people a group that the other early enrollees the other mid-year guys the the freshmen the true freshmen can lean on hey i we're still going through this for the first time but i'm still going through with washing my clothes on my own mom's not washing my clothes anymore how do how do i manage all of this and and you hear it from guys all the time you know oh i i just learned how to take care of myself like i and and handle uh school handle practice handle coaches yelling at me film and all this other stuff just learned how to do that so i think it is huge and you can't discount the number of guys that they have in mid-year that will help that will help you when you when you get ready for uh utah on whatever day the pac-12 decides to announce that game will be played um that is a big thing for florida and and i think it it it's something that does that slow down the process you know as much as we've talked about zach about you're in year two and that helps things well almost a third of your roster is new and hasn't gone through it. And it, it's, yeah. it's some amazing turnover, um, but a credit to Billy and the coaching staff for getting this many guys on campus mid-year. Yeah. Cause if they didn't, uh, spring would practice a, would be hard. It would have been a sketchy spring game. It would have been like one of those must champ years where it's like, Hey, we have seven offensive linemen. So we're going to do a seven on seven for the spring game. I, I don't miss, I don't miss those must champ spring games, man. <laughs> Oh man, good old Coach Boom, Boom, your boy. No, certainly not. <laughs> well, uh, we're gonna have, switch. Ge- haven't gotten haven't gotten a Christmas card from the Much Champs yet. No, don't think it's coming. I don't think so. Um, but you know what? 
he's a national champion. He doesn't need any Christmas cards. <laughs> Not from the media, at least. The UF media. No. Um, well, we switch gears now. Obviously, the uh, Gators are in full swing with uh, basketball. Baseball season open. Softball is absolutely killing it. And uh, do also want to mention and give a shout out to the swimming. Uh, swimming and diving teams sweeping the SEC titles for the first time since 1993. The uh, the men's and women's teams. So uh, you got some teams on uh, on campus still winning championships. Next, remember we said this on the pod. I was like, look. I need to go and write a story, do some coverage on one of these other championship teams at UF, and I got my wish. Yeah, uh, 1993. I would go ahead and say, not even venture to guess, nobody on that roster that just won SEC titles was alive the last time Florida swept it. Not even close. Um, so credit to them. Listen, Florida's coming off of a loss on the baseball diamond, but they, they can win the SEC this year. Mouse just has Mouse has run out of fingers and toes to put rings on. Just it, we're we're covering a big Olympic non-revenue sports school, Zach. We just haven't fully embraced it yet. <laughs> What's up, Florida fans? Wanted to encourage all of you to go check out RogueShop.com if you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, and/or anxiety and stress. Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, smokables, and vapes as well as handcrafted bath salts, soaps, candles, massage oils, pain creams, and topicals. Rogue Shop is a true small business, disabled, veteran-owned, black-owned, woman-owned company. They have five employees and make all of their products with their own cannabis grown in their manufacturing facility. Visit RogueShop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P. Com. Tell you what, it looks like the uh, the NFL is starting to fully embrace Anthony Richardson because we've seen him now uh, get about the highest draft projection that you can get, Nicholas. Uh, number get one overall. Higher. Nope. Uh, he is uh, now projected to go first uh, in the draft. That was the latest projection from CBS, and I don't think it's going to be the last because he's getting ready to head to the Combine next week we haven't even got the anthony richardson hype missile hasn't even been launched yet (laughs) he hasn't even shown up to indianapolis at 250 running a 4-4 yet he hasn't even he hasn't even jumped he hasn't even had the 45 vert yet like the anthony richardson hype is, is slowly building and it's almost annoying zach like you and i have like been championing anthony richardson for years now and it's almost like skater fans are like hey look at this and you're like yeah where, where have you been <laughs> we we've been saying this for more than a year now and now you're like oh yeah but the so-and-so said it you're like well you called me an idiot when i said he should leave <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna be a very rich man uh in a couple months yeah, it's it's obviously like you said he he hasn't even started going through the, the the full process yet, and just already the buzz that's out there. You know the the NFL official Twitter account tweeted out his highlights from last season, and man, it is hard to watch those and not look at him as they said as 
the best quarterback in the draft, or certainly as they labeled it, the most athletic quarterback in the draft. Now, we've seen the inconsistencies. We've seen the up-and-down performances and some of the growing pains that he went through in his first year as a starter, which I think for maybe some Florida fans, it's why it's taken them some time to fully see and realize his potential. But now it's there. And I, I think now he's going to get to this combine. He's going to go through this draft process. Teams are going to see the highlights. They're going to acknowledge the lowlights, but they're going to see his skill set. They're going to see his numbers. They're going to see his measurables and say, this guy is a physical specimen and freak. And he's got all the tools that we need at the quarterback position. And yes, we know he needs some work. Yes, we know he's not fully developed. Yes, we know he could have maybe used another season as a starter in college. But we have this QB that we're going to be able to mold, and we're going to coach him up. He's going to be the perfect fit for our offense, and uh, we're using our first pick on him. And uh, that's look looks obviously like where things are trending. I don't think he's going to make it out of the top five, and at this point would be shocked uh, if he's even close to the top ten, Nick. I mean, it's just uh, he's only going to improve his stock as we get closer to April. The late, great Al Davis would have traded uh, shares in the Oakland Raiders <laughs> to, to move up to draft Anthony Richardson after his combine he's going to have. And, and listen, I totally understand Florida's fans' frustrations, but I think the frustrations around Anthony Richardson are because deep down you realize that he is that dude. He <laughs> can be that guy, and he just wasn't consistent enough for your team last season. He's not everyone. Like the defense was terrible, atrocious in 2022. He can't play defense. He turned the ball over too much. He thought too much. Yes, he probably could be a better quarterback if he came back another year. If you're going to be 1 1, 1 5, why would you ever come back? And, and to the people who thought this is a second round, third round guy, um, <laughs> he's making a mistake. Okay. Yeah. Well, and the way this thing is trending, Nick, you could have uh, two former Florida quarterbacks starting in the NFL next year as uh, our boy, Killer Kyle. Killer Kyle. Kyle Trask. It is, uh, it is trash time in Tampa. The latest reports coming out is that uh, the Bucks are – Fully in on Trask taking over as the quarterback and doesn't look like they're going to be out there in the market for anybody to come in as a trade. They've uh, developed him behind Tom Brady. He's put in his time. And now it's time to see him take the big stage, Nick. I, for one, am pumped. I'm not a Bucks fan, but, man, I can't wait to see that guy play. And that's uh that's a uh, Zach put Zach on the Bart Bart Scott GIF uh, Bart Scott clip can't wait <laughs> can't I mean if there was another quarterback that I could probably say I don't think there is another quarterback that I could say you know ah he's probably okay like he understands it he, he he's fine being a backup he'll get it he'll keep working as he's a starter um, poor Kyle Trask has been stuck in this backup role you know senior of high school four years at Florida almost graduated with a degree from the University of Florida before he earned his first start. Um, and then you get drafted by a team who has Tom Brady. You're like, well, <laughs> guess we're back to the bench. Um, <laughs> it, uh, for me, it was 
frustrating watching the Bucks. So the Bucks were just so intense. And listen, Tom Brady got his job by an injury. Um, if Drew Bledsoe doesn't get hurt, Tom Brady never gets an opportunity. So Tom Brady played his whole career with that in his mind. No, 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 no. This 22-year-old's not getting a snap in practice. I don't care when you drafted him. I'll take all of the snaps in practice. Um, and then it seemed like the Bucks were just so invested or so fine with Blaine Gabbert that you didn't see Kyle Trask, in my opinion, get enough snaps in the preseason. Yeah. Um, or or even be active enough on Sundays to get you know garbage time play. And Blaine Gabbert would get that. But as a not a first-round pick, he doesn't have that fifth year option. So the Bucks only have two more years of Kyle Trask guaranteed. He can leave. He can go somewhere else. So I think they're in a position where we have to play Kyle Trask because we have to know this year if he's going to be that guy or not. And if he isn't, then we probably have a really high pick and we can take, you know, take somebody else in the draft. But he's that, he's that guy. He's that guy. He's him. <laughs> oh, trust yes big big boop, boop. we're all all aboard the trash train here zach i don't care if this gets pulled up in a couple years on freezing cold takes i'll own it yeah you put trash with that first team forget about it if you want to win let trash spin i love it let's go <laughs> let's go um <laughs> Well, look, we got to see the uh, Gator baseball team spin it out there at Conjuring Ballpark. Nick, we're uh, getting ready to be joined by Jacob Young. Uh, but before we start that interview, just want to get your take on uh, opening weekend and what you saw from the Gators. You got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat the way you're supposed to beat them. That's what they did against Charleston Southern. Uh, that was one of the worst fielding baseball teams I've ever seen in my life. Uh, they were pretty bad. You look at those scores, 13-3, uh, to 16-2, 8-0. The one game that doesn't go mercy rule um, is a shutout. And then you follow that up. Uh, Florida goes to South Florida, wins 6-1. to one. Meltdown on Wednesday night. I was there for it. You know, I had the tweet ready to be fired up, the winning tweet. And then... Just an atrocious and inexcusable error in right field on a ball that has to be caught leads to a complete bullpen meltdown. Florida ends up losing nine to or ten to nine um, at Condren Ballpark. It these things are going to happen. I know that the season has now been canceled. Kevin O'Sullivan has been fired. Uh, his house is for sale. Not even for sale. We're just giving it away. Um, but midweek losses are going to happen. Um, Florida did not go to its closer in Brandon Neely because they threw him the night before down in Tampa and Kevin O'Sullivan protects arms. So I think if, if it's later in the year, you probably have Brandon Neely throw and uh, probably get out of that game with a win. But at this point in the season, uh doesn't really matter much. It's a non-conference game. You have to win your SEC games and you have to get your guys ready. You'd rather have, those guys like Blake Purnell and Jamison Fisher fail in February, then fail, you know, in June, uh, you know, during a regional or during the SEC tournament. So that stuff's going to happen. You get Cincinnati, um, similar to Charleston Southern, picked at the bottom of their conference. This should be a sweep weekend for Florida at home. Um, and 
when you got the, those three guys, Brandon Sprout, uh, Hurston Waldrip, and Jack Caglione, who is quickly becoming um, America's college baseball, America's sweetheart, Jack Caglione, uh, hit a ball 115 miles an hour off the bat. He's got two wins this year. Uh, and then was throwing the ball 99 last Sunday. So uh, there's no rest on Sunday for the Cincinnati Bearcats. And, and I will be interested to see this. So does Jack hit for himself on Sunday? Um, they didn't have him hit for himself um, last Sunday as his first start. It's something that, especially if he keeps tearing the cover off the ball the way that he is, you don't take his bat out of the lineup when he hits. I think we'll see Jack hit for himself on Sunday, uh, which means we might get a pitch thrown 100 and a ball hit 100 by the same guy in the same game, uh, and I will not be able to contain my excitement if we do see that, Zach. Yeah, it's uh, it's just nice to, to see baseball back, man. My, my son was out there for two of the games. He wanted to go to the South Florida game on Wednesday and then was glad that he did not go. <laughs> um. It was not a uh, good Wednesday for Florida Athletics. Although the women's tennis team won. Shout out. Hey, shout out Florida to Florida Gulf Coast. Shout out to tennis. Big non-revenue sports school. Um, well, we'll see what uh, the Gators have in store next weekend against Cincy. And uh, we're going to jump to this break. When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by former Gator Jacob Young to talk about his time with the Gators and also uh, his path to the pros. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back into the Gators Online show. We're now joined by our guest of the week, former Gator Jacob Young. This interview is brought to you by Vitamin Energy. Jacob, thanks for joining us this week, man. No, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to see you guys again. We were just Absolutely. talking. Uh, it's baseball season. Yeah, Jacob, tell us where you are right now, because uh, that certainly doesn't look like home. That looks like a uh, a hotel somewhere, somewhere in spring training. Yeah, so I'm in uh, I'm at the Marriott in West Palm Beach. Um, I've been here since the first of February um, and we end about the beginning of April. So we're about halfway. Um, we start playing games pretty soon. So. You know, just living living a life down here in uh, West Palm. Listen, you played with Pete Alonzo, and I remember we always used to ask Pete, like, "Hey, you you seem to have a you seem to really kickstart it uh, towards the end of the year." And he goes, "Yeah, well, we don't have school anymore because baseball season runs after finals." Uh, so I think all college baseball players dream of what you're doing right now, which is just waking up, hitting BP, playing some ball, taking some grounders out, taking some pop flies, not having to worry about school or class or anything like that yeah and i luckily sadly i didn't get to play with pete he was, he was right after me but um mm-hmm. the um playing baseball with no school is very nice um <laughs> luckily i was able to finish my degree so i don't have to worry about anything um in that regard but um i just waking up and that your day is going to consist of 
going to the field, hitting, maybe maybe run some bases, catching some fly balls, and then you're you're going back home, and that's like that's your job now. Um, it's kind of unreal to think about at first because that's what you dream of dream of as a kid, and then uh, when you're actually living it, it's a it's a really cool feeling. And obviously, uh, Jacob, you've been working on this dream uh, ever since you were young, and then got to go through it obviously during your path at Florida. Um, we are in baseball season now, and I'm, I'm sure around this time you get to thinking about your your days at UF. Um, what's it like, man, when you reflect back on your college career and, and the time that you got to spend here and obviously experiences that you got to have? Yeah, it's crazy how fast it went. Um, a lot of the good memories are just the guys on the team, um, a lot of who I still talk to, um, people who are going to be at my wedding, people whose weddings I've gone to. Um, that's a really cool part, really meeting those guys and, and living with them and getting to know them and they're like your family for that time because you're away from your own family and um, getting to play um, with all of them all the time is a great feeling. And then kind of just thinking about all the places you played and talking to all these other college baseball players and comparing, you know, your experiences at Arkansas, that sold out crowd. And um, when some of these guys go to like the Texas ballparks and kind of just listening to what everyone has to say and realizing like how cool it was and, how much it means to still be a Gator and kind of checking back on them and stuff is, is really fun. Now, what is that experience like? Um, you know, there's uh, Florida loses so many recruits to uh, to the MLB draft that never even get to campus. Having uh, been traveling at a D1 program like Florida with, with the kind of uh, facilities and, and budget that they have, and then, Traveling, uh, you know, with with a single A, double A team. What, what, what? How do you compare and contrast just the the experience of playing baseball in a school like Florida, and then you're in the minors, and it, it might not be as pretty as some of the the hotels and and means of transportation. Yeah, you don't uh, you don't realize how nice uh, the stuff is at Florida. <laughs> uh, getting onto a little charter plane and rolling into your nice Marriott or your uh, whatever we are. Um, it was fun though. You getting to experience that kind of being that like at that high level and now you're dropped back down. It just makes you kind of want to get back to that level in the, in the major leagues and get up to uh, get up there and kind of um, it's kind of like what you're dreaming of again, kind of, it's a gut check, but it's nice, you know, um, it's something to look forward to and work towards, but um, I'm definitely missing some of those, some of those plane rides in those hotels that we get at uh, Florida. <laughs> Let me take you back real quick to, to Florida. Uh, the 2020 season is weird, um, but you ended with an 18 game. Well, I guess the, the hitting streak started in 19, um, you know, out there in Lubbock, which that was a, that was an experience for me to drive there. Uh, speaking of travel, I, I didn't get to fly to Lubbock like you guys did. Um, I had a very sketchy drive, four and a half hours from <laughs> Dallas to Lubbock <laughs> to go see that regional. Well, it's a fun place. Yeah, sure. Sure. That's a way to put it. Um, you, you have two hits there in the Lubbock regional and then you hit never game safely during that weird 2020 year. Um, and I remember going into 2021, you, you keep getting hits and, um, this, you're getting closer and closer to this streak. And I kept refusing. They were like, Hey, you want to bring Jacob to post game media? And I'm like, no, keep him away from us. We are baseball fans here. We are superstitious. Um, just what was going through your mind during um, your hit streak? Yeah, so that 2020 year, the COVID year, mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of knew about it. Um, 
just like assist at the end because he got to like you know 12 or 13. Um, but at that point, we were undefeated, so I think that actually helped us more. That like we hadn't lost, like that was the biggest focus, just trying to win games. And of course, not knowing how that was going to end, but going to that FSU game, um, we wanted to somehow figure out a way to get undefeated until SEC play starts, at least to that point. And I remember that game, I think it was 0 for 2 or 0 for 1 of the walk. Late in the game, I jam shotted one to short and beat it out. And I, Kirby hit a ball to right field the next at bat, and the kid robbed it for a home run. We ended up losing that game. But um, then the next day, everything shuts down. And so the yeah. last thing on my mind was that hit streak. I was like, okay, we'll see what happens. And then um, the next season came along. No one really talked about it in the fall too much. And then we got to uh, the next season when we started off with Miami that year. And then there was some chatter, um, like as I was getting closer to guys like Jonathan India and names like that, that you kind of watch play as a kid. And mm-hmm. um, that was really cool to see. And then as we got closer and closer, um, I was really hoping to get a hit on my first at bat because uh, every at bat that went that I got through, when I got in the dugout. People were trying to talk to me like, hey, man, like you OK? And then I'm like, yeah, I'm good. But um, that last game, I remember after I went over one, um, I was over two and no one would talk to me in the dugout. They didn't want to say anything to me the day I tied. I was like, Oh my, I just, no one would talk to me. No one, like I didn't want to talk to anyone. And I just remember uh, when I finally hit that ground ball, I just, I just told myself hit a ground ball and, and hope you beat it out because uh, I wanted to give myself hit, a chance. Hit, hit and run. So yeah. Hit and run. And so, um, but just seeing all the excitement, having all the guys come out there, um, congratulating me and, kind of realizing how long Gator baseball has been a, been something and now your name's in that record book and you've been a fan your whole life. So knowing that is a really is a really cool experience and it's something I uh, watch out for to see if anyone gets close so I can kind of root them on like he did for me. Are you and rooting them on? Really? Like, <laughs> are you really rooting well, that them was, on? That, that was my question. We just saw LeBron, uh, you know, beat Kareem's record and everybody – was wondering how Kareem felt about that. How, how did Tim Olsen take you bringing, uh, breaking his 21-year-old record? Yeah, he texted me on Twitter. Uh, he DM'd me the, either the night I tied it or the night before. And he was just, hey, man, like, congratulations. I think it was the night I tied it. Congratulations. Like, this is really cool. Like, I never I never knew him uh, or anything. He just kind of reached out to me. So that was a really cool experience getting to talk to him. And um, he was just told me, you know, break in, don't stop type of thing. And, um I know Colby got kind of close to it last year. Or he was in the teens or something. I don't know who he was at. If I texted him, man, I texted him at once it ended. And I was like, ah, oh, you're so close. You know, like halfway or something. Just like messing with him, um, knowing Colby for a while. But, no, I, I think it's cool um, whenever it happens because it kind of gets brought back up and you get to think about it again. So, it's kind of cool. Cool when guys get close. So, you you purposely jinxed Colby. You probably you oh, know, you saw, him, after, you saw, you saw him like 13. <laughs> you were like, hey, man, you're doing great. This is, you know, <laughs> watch out. They're going to start pitching you this way. No, no, after for sure. And JY, I, I've always found it interesting. Um, I go back to uh, a super regional and Alex Faedo's on the mound and I'm in the old, uh, the, the old McKeithen Park and I'm watching the draft. He's out there pitching and his mom and his girlfriend at the time are watching him get drafted. Um, there was another game where somebody in the stands yelled at Jonathan India on deck. Hey, you were just picked sixth overall. Um, how do you handle as a baseball player, especially your draft year, you're getting down to that point where you're playing for 
either the a right to get a, a host a super regional, right to host a regional, or playing in those regionals, trying to get to Omaha. How do you compartmentalize that, which is a dream you've had since you were playing T-ball, with my team goals and what we're trying to accomplish here as a team? Yeah, you def- it's something you know of. Of, um, especially with how big Twitter is now. I mean, you can't go on Twitter without seeing some ranking or someone talking about something about um, draft. And um, I think the biggest thing, well, it's nice they moved it back so that now you don't do it in the middle of regionals to begin with. Right. That was a smart thing. But um, it's something that usually when it starts ramping up a lot, it's when the games matter more. Um, so like end of SEC play, SEC tournament, regionals. So you're kind of getting, you're kind of so focused on trying to move on and just advance that, at least for myself, that's what I kind of put my head to is trying to find a way team way for us to win because the more we won, the better I was going to look anyways with the type of player sure. I am. Um, so, and after that, you just got to kind of trust all, I mean, you've been playing there for three years or two years, however long it is. So you got to kind of just trust that. And just put your head down and keep on doing it because those last five games or last three weeks, it's not going to change really how you get drafted. Um, they're going to yeah. look at the whole body of work and kind of go from there. So you try to zone it out with Twitter and stuff. Like I said, it's, it's really hard a lot of times. Um, it's even hard now. You know, you see yourself in a ranking with this or that. And um, it's the new age of social media. But uh, trying to just kind of focus on yourself and uh, the team in those kind of aspects really kind of drown it out and make it go a little faster. Jacob, obviously getting a chance to go through the draft process and actually hear your name called and, and know that you'd you know become a pro. What was that day, moment, and experience like for you? Yeah, we kind of knew what day it was going to be. Um, so we had plans to invite some some of my close friends uh, over. And, um, yeah, it was just something I wanted to do with my family and my, uh, my fiancé. And I didn't want other people there, you know, wasn't really the stress of it, but just as you're waiting and seeing all these names called, you're waiting for that to happen. So I wanted just to kind of relax on my couch and um, kind of see everyone that was that I knew getting drafted, congratulate them, and then kind of wait for my time. But uh, when it did happen, it was it was a cool feeling. It's, um, it's a lot of work, a lot of years, um, a lot of missed things, um, events. So just hearing your name called and realizing – um, you get to start a new journey and uh, you kind of get to start living the dream of professional baseball was, was a, was a really amazing feeling. You get, you get drafted by, by the Nats. Um, and uh, obviously if I had asked you this pre-draft, you know, there, no, no one wants to pick a team, but did you grow up rooting for a team? And, and what has it been like being a part of the Nationals organization? Yeah. So my whole family's from California. Um, I was the only one born in Florida. So, we're big Angel fans. Um, so I grew up loving the Angels. Um, probably before, anytime before I got drafted, that's who I rooted for. I was a big Trout guy. Um, so my dad still watches them a lot. So I still, I get all their information. So I'm still a big <laughs> Angel. Love listening to them and kind of seeing what they're doing. But uh, the Nats have been great. Um, they really kind of they're kind of been on the front the front edge of all this new new a lot of the new changes they're making with uh trying to make our lives easier um mm-hmm. it's hard to do uh there's a lot of people in, in professional baseball so it's hard to kind of make it easier and they've kind of done that so um just by helping us with living and stuff like that um food so 
it's been a it's been a good good time um, meeting all the new guys, seeing all these great players from around the country, and even a lot of the uh, guys from like the Dominican Republic. Um, getting to meet with all them, hearing a lot of Spanish. Um, how's your How's your Spanish? I can hear it. I I can't really talk it. I can I can listen though and understand <laughs> as long as you're not talking about me. I can kind of I'm kind of good and then I kind of move on. But um, they they a lot of them are really good at English, so you can have full conversations with them. But um, no, with the Nats, it's been a pleasure working with all their guys, um, all the coordinators. We have guys like Coco Crisp, um, Billy Mueller. So guys, you kind of grew up watching as a kid. Now you're getting coached by them. So that's a really, really cool feeling. And then obviously, go ahead. ahead. No, you're good. What's that like to, to kind of, you know, especially in spring training, just seeing guys who have, you know, 10, 12 years, guys you've watched on TV, Um, And then all of a sudden, you know, you're sharing a clubhouse or you're sharing, you know, a a backfield with a guy. Uh, What has that been like? Is there like a pinch me moment or or like a holy crap, like I'm on the same field as so-and-so? Yeah, so I would say last year, spring training, um, I got to play in one of the um, big league games. um, And I was so I got to sit in the dugout with Soto and Nelson Cruz. And we played the Cardinals. So guys like Albert Pools came in the dugout. Paul Goldschmidt. So stuff like that, that was, that was surreal for that time. Kind of the first time being in that environment um, with guys that, I mean, I were pools. I've been watching playing baseball since I was little. So seeing him kind of come up to you and just talk to Soto and all those guys was really cool. Um, and then as you, as it, like this year now, um, a lot of the guys in major league camp, I know um, I played with or stuff like that. So it doesn't have that feeling as much. Um, you kind of you're kind of teammates with them. You're you guys are going. You guys have been through the same thing, or are going through the same thing. So um, it becomes more kind of used to it. But definitely the last year, that first time, I was like, yeah, this is this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, uh, Jacob, pretty cool too to uh, get that call up that you had last season, man. Um, what was the buildup like for that? Were you anticipating it, and and just knowing? When you did get the call that you're headed to the World Series, man, what was that? It had to be surreal. Um, you mean like the playoffs for the low A? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was cool. Like we just uh we knew we were close um the whole year, kind of with how their playoffs work. Um so as we got kind of closer and closer um to the end, we we had a magic number, and anytime you get a magic number or anything, uh it gets a lot more fun. Um kind of you're working towards something. Um, for 100 something games and now you're five games away or six games away so just trying to win that game and then running into the locker room to see if the team uh that you're going against lost is was a cool experience and then finally getting to celebrate when we did clinch the playoffs um was a was a fun thing never um never got to experience anything like that um and hopefully there's a lot more to come and and then wanted to before we get you out of here wanted to just bring you back a little bit to um kind of, uh, I guess, the brotherhood that you have with, with former teammates at Florida. How, uh, how much, as much as your schedule permits, are you checking in on other guys, whether they're in the same, you know, same classification as you or they're pro guys or, or even old teammates that are, you know, still in, in college? How much are you checking in on the Gators, uh, which I think I know a little bit <laughs> just based on talking to you, and then how much are you checking in uh, on on your teammates as, as you know they they're chasing the same dream as you yeah so in terms of the gators um i watch when i a lot of the times when i can especially um 
on days like spring training, we're usually done kind of early so I can catch the night games on Friday and Saturday. Um, so I try to watch whenever I can. Uh, a lot of the guys are still there. Not a lot, but a few, but like Colby, Rivera, um, Wyatt, of course. Some of the pitchers are still there. So seeing those guys, and I work out with Colby in the offseason sometimes, so getting to talk to him and just seeing what he's doing is uh, a lot of fun. And then uh, I love talking some smack to all the other colleges around here. So whenever they win, it makes me – I have a lot of Tennessee guys and a lot mm. of SEC guys around here. So it's fun to it's fun to mess with them whenever we win and they lose. Um, but wasn't fun last year. No, no. But this year, this year we're hoping it's going to be a little more fun. Um, and then with teammates, so like my roommates, Judd Fabian, uh, Ben Speck, David Lucci, uh, we have a group chat. We talk I would, every day, I would say. Uh, for I, I think we've talked every day since we left. So um, we went to like, I went to, we all were at Judd's wedding. We were in his party. So like, those are guys, like I said, they're family at this point. Um, you get to, you get to experience so much with them and it's who you're seeing every day for three years. So kind of getting to getting that close with those type of guys. Um, I check in on Judd a lot. Um, and then a lot of other guys kind of will see through social media what they're doing. Uh, like I know Chris Armstrong's at JU now playing. So I check in on him a lot because they'll play a lot of teams around um, that I'm used to. So I'll, I'll watch him and kind of check in on him. So just a lot of kids like that, just checking in to make sure to see how everyone's doing and kind of congratulate them when something great happens. Now, Judd, Eric, and Derek have all given me the same story. Um, I offered ghostwriting, um, a ghostwriting opportunity to Derek for his best man speech. They all said it went well. Uh, Derek obviously was coming back from being hit in the face uh, a, a, a couple months before. How was Derek's best man speech at the wedding? Derek's best man speech was very good. Um, okay, he had a, he had a tough follow. He had a. He had the groom's or the bride's dad. Uh, he had to go after the bride's dad, so he had a tough follow. But he he did very well. Um, but I would say uh, the highlight of the night. I would say Eric Fabian's dancing is probably oh. the best the best thing I've seen um, so far. So I would say Derek did great, but I would say Eric on the dance floor uh, took took the night. Oh, it's fantastic! I'm gonna need footage for that. <laughs> gonna have to. Gonna have to. I think Mary will be the one that would that would end up giving me that that leaking <laughs> yeah, that yeah, footage to me. Judd. Mary's the one. And then um, I, I was joking with Judd. I was like, with the, with the weird dimensions in Baltimore, they might be looking for two center fielders. You might need a. You might might be looking at a quick call up with that weird <laughs> janky left field they have there in Baltimore. Yeah, no, they. Uh, that's a great spot for him. Um, the way they, the way they kind of handle baseball and uh, the way they kind of look at their players, that's a great spot for um, Judd to kind of fly up the rankings and uh, hopefully make his debut quicker than we think. And with a, and with the late, with the late trade last year, uh, Juan Soto leaving uh, with the Washington certainly doesn't hurt Jacob Young standing in, in the Nationals organization, and uh, we're certainly getting ready for or hoping to get ready to see you uh, make that MLB debut. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. We're uh, definitely fun to, to catch up with you again, man. Uh, definitely wish you the best of luck in spring training this year, and uh, hopefully we'll see you around uh, Condren Family Ballpark at some point for a game as well, man. Yeah, I'm hoping to hoping to find a way to get down there for at least one game. If not, I'm going to have to keep on uh, DM and Nick for uh, the inside information. <laughs> <laughs> you, you always got it. <laughs>
Well, that is a uh, former Gator, uh, Jacob Young. Uh, really appreciate his time and uh, appreciate all you guys for tuning in this week. Uh, that'll do it for this Gators online show. We'll be back next week. For Nick Del Torre, I'm Zach Albuquerque. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.